welcome to Living Aura, your podcast for choosing faith over fear, where I inspire and motivate life-giving promise into your role in your business, your home, and your mind. Hey, I'm Laura Gant, and I am so glad you're here because I'm on a mission to reach people who are seeking to lead from the inside out, to be alive in the aura and energy of flow that attracts abundance for your life. Today, I have a very special guest, Russ Moore. He is a pastor and leader up in Columbus, Ohio at X Church, and he has devoted nearly a lifetime to plumbing the depths of God, crafting story and words, creating culture, and living with passion in each season. He's recently released his very first book. It's called Hope for the Wilderness. And in this, he puts his guts and experience onto every page with fierce vulnerability. He draws humor and heart from his own story in order to empower you for yours. Now, when I first met Russ, it was about 11 years ago when he pastored my church in Lexington, Kentucky. And Russ, I remember you having your Bible studies and seeing you then. And just, I always knew from then you just had this heart of David. You had this heart just so closely after God with such a pure and sincere um, devotion to seeking, I'm going to say it again, because the, the word is so good, the purity of Jesus in the relationship with him. Um, I always knew, like, if you ever had written a book, because you, you loved to write back then about a decade ago, and I always knew if you ever published a book, it would be gold. And I think that this this definitely is, is a piece of gold, and it's because it comes straight from your heart, comes straight from the seasons of wilderness for you. And what you've delivered is just the message is so parallel to a mission that's been so close to my heart and what God's brought me through. So I knew I had to get you on this podcast. And uh, I just, I know you've shared uh, on recent interviews, your writing process and journey, but I wanted, I want people to hear here on this podcast, just say your heart, like what is the wilderness? What is hope? How do they, what is the bridge that gets you from a place of, of darkness and loss and trauma um, what wildernesses have, have you faced that could be relatable to anybody listening here? And, and how do you go through that and what do you do with it? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me and uh, thank you for the very kind words in the introduction. I was so kind. I feel like I need to like record it and play it each night before I go to bed. So I can, <laughs> so, so I can just believe all that. Um, and I too remember, um, I just want to say this, uh, I remember, from I think it was 12 years ago when I first met you, there being something really, really special. I remember telling our lead pastor at that time there's something special about her spirit. And uh, and I, w- one, of, one of the themes of the book, actually, is that your spirit's the most important thing about you. Yeah. That, you know, we tend to think that it's our resources, our money, our connections, our looks, our whatever it may be. But uh, part of the whole story of this book comes from the story of Caleb, where uh, God said about him, he had a different spirit. And because he has a different spirit, he'll inherit the land. And so I just want to say, I think one of the reasons that God's using you so incredibly is because of your spirit. And uh, it's really, really beautiful to watch. Uh, the book, Hope for the Wilderness, um, is, it, it's it, you know, to put it into uh, a really basic uh, kind of snapshot, it's, I, I tell people it's not a memoir, but it's memoirish. 
<laughs> so it's it's very it's it's meant to feel like you're across the table at your favorite coffee shop um with someone just down to earth uh helping you walk through the journey to me the best books I've, I've heard it said that you can impress people with your strengths but you connect through your weaknesses uh so this book is meant to really just feel like you're with a friend who can hopefully offer some wisdom and some revelation and some things that will change your life, but in a way that's very conversational and down to earth. And so it's memoirish, but in a nutshell, the book is part of my story and part of the story of the children of Israel interlaced and principles brought out of it to help anybody go into a tough time. Uh, wilderness, because the children of Israel, if you're familiar with scripture, you know, God speaks to a man named Abraham in Genesis 12 and promises that, that through him, he's going to change the world. There's going to be a whole lineage through that lineage will come the awaited savior. And then everything that happens from that point forward is the unfolding of that promise from Genesis 12. And that people had eventually become millions. By the time you turn the page from Genesis to Exodus, there's millions of people. They're enslaved by this guy named Pharaoh if you've ever watched the old school movie with Charles Nesson, you can remember, let my people go. God raises up Moses and delivers this group of people from really 400 years. This group of people have been enslaved. They, they weren't even human beings anymore. They're just human doings. They were slaves. They were in shackles. They had no hope, no purpose, no future, no joy, uh, no passion, no reason to live. And God uh, brought them out of that season as slaves. But from that place of being in slavery, they were also promised that they were going to go into a future land. It was the promised land. It was the land of Canaan and Eden. Uh, But there's this gap, right? There's this gap between they were delivered out of their past, but they had not yet stepped into their future. And I think that's where a lot of people live is you know, just because you step into tomorrow doesn't mean you're going to step into your future. Right. And there's a lot of people spiritually, we can talk really the whole wilderness concepts you can apply on a few different layers. But spiritually, when we go into the New Testament, we realize Warren Wearsby, he's this famous Bible commentator. He says it this way. Too many Christians are in between in their Christian walk. They're no longer living in Egypt, which represents a life of sin, a life before Jesus. But they've also not yet entered into the abundant life. What did, what did Jesus say in John 10, 10? Thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. So in our context, there's a lot of us that have been delivered from Egypt, uh, but we've not yet entered into an abundant life, the kind of life filled with passion and purpose and destiny that God has brought into the future. I think that might be a place where a lot of Christians get stuck and say, but God, I thought you promised me this. And really, they haven't gotten to that place. They're still stuck in the middle. Um, They're down in the trenches, right? Between the two hills, uh, still in battle mode. We've delivered you from your past, but now we got to put on some armor. We got to get more ready. Um, Yeah. And so I think there can be a lot of, confusion that maybe happens to new Christians, to seasoned Christians, where the devil is, is like, see, he didn't promise you <laughs> or, or try to adapt, you know, adopt these. And, um, I like to use the, the, the backpack, 
right? It's analogy of like, I got to stuff more tools in my backpack because I got to take on, you know, and then so it's like, I, they start speaking like I am affirmations and I can do this and I am strong and, you know, or take scripture and you start getting into this mode of I can do this, but really it's more about like a surrender in, in, in between. Yeah. Well, and I think people, um, it, it's this, it's a level of surrender and yet intentionality. Um, when it, the, the, I like to think of this this way. Salvation is free, but the life God promised is, is, is costly. So God had already promised he would deliver the enemies. He would deliver the children of Israel from the enemies. He already promised, I'm going to give you that land. I'm going to fight for you. And yet they still had to choose to possess the land. And it's the same way in the Christian life. We may have all these incredible promises. First Peter says we have these promises divine tickets the message i love the message paraphrase it says these tickets uh these promises from god are tickets to participation in our future but the tickets are worthless so we never cash them in and and i and so i think that's one thing i think the other thing too is and this is a lot of what the book has to deal with is um a lot of times what keeps us from kind of a spiritual promised land is we're in wilderness seasons of life of trials and difficulties so I kind of wrote this book out of a painful season in 2016 where um, I, I had a, a number of circumstances, both internally and externally, come against me. And this is one of the reasons that a lot of people, even that aren't in the church world, will use the term wilderness to describe a painful season of life is because when you think about a wilderness, you you can sometimes if you just Google images, there's beautiful images on you know of the sun setting over the Saharan or the Grand Canyon, and it looks glorious. That's beautiful, but to get trapped perpetually in a in a wilderness, uh, that's devastating. That's in in a wilderness in a desert. That's where uh, you could die of thirst or starvation. That's where uh, there's extremity of temperature. That's where you could get lost forever. Um, that, that that's where there's uh, wild animals and uh, coyotes and spiders and snakes and all the things. So a wilderness is something that's beautiful to look at from the outset, but to get trapped in is really, really dangerous. And so I think a lot of us, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that hopefully it seems like the book has struck a chord is because we all know what it's like to be in a wilderness season, a season where life seems dry. uh, It seems confusing. It seems lonely. And we're like, I didn't see this season coming. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this season. I don't know how to make sense of the pain. You know, we, we claim a lot of promises from Jesus. We don't usually claim the promise where he said, in this world, you will have trouble. I like to say this, I don't know if this is encouraging or not, but everybody listening to me right now is either just come out of a wilderness, is in a wilderness, or is about to go into a wilderness. The question isn't, will you ever enter the wilderness? The question is, how will you navigate your time in the wilderness? You can become bitter or better in your most painful seasons of life. You can become pitiful or you can become powerful out of your most painful seasons of life. You can waste your time and lengthen the wilderness season, or you can cultivate that time, learn things you could have never learned otherwise, expedite your time in the wilderness and move on. Perfect example, children of Israel, they actually, people, it's funny because after God brought them out of Egypt, it was only an 11 day trip. It was supposed to be um, 11 day trip across to Canaan. That's all it would have taken is 11 days. 
But God planned, the Bible says there's this verse that would have been frustrating to the Israelites if they had read it. It says, but God chose to not lead them around the short way, but along the long way, because he knew that they wouldn't be ready to face their enemies. See, sometimes what we don't realize is God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. We think God's trying to punish us when really he may be trying to prepare us. Right. But they took those two years and instead of realizing God was trying to prepare them, they became bitter and and started longing for Egypt and they ended up sabotaging their future and wasting 40 years in the desert. And that first generation never even saw the promised land. And so that's one example. But the other example is Jesus. See, people don't think about this. Like, why am I going through, through the wilderness? But here's a crazy thought. Even Jesus went through the wilderness. But here's what's powerful. After Jesus handled his wilderness season well, the Bible says he left the wilderness, I love this verse, full of the Spirit's power. You can actually go through the most painful places of life and come out the other side stronger, not weaker. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm rambling, but that's... that's absolutely. So what are, what are some, like, practical examples of a wilderness for somebody? Oh my gosh. I mean, a wilderness, yeah, wilderness can be anything. A wilderness can be sickness. It could be (laughs) sickness. It could be a divorce. It could be the long road of singleness of, of of waiting that you feel like I've been in this. Um, It it could be a, um, uh, a demotion. It could be financial struggle. It could be relational fractures. It could be a lot of, you know, they say the number one thing, if you ask this generation, especially post COVID and all that, the number one thing affecting this generation is, is anxiety. A lot of people, their big wilderness is internal. We, we meet people that we think everything on the outside is perfect, but we have no idea the level of anxiety, depression, or trauma they're dealing with inside. So sometimes the landscape of a wilderness, sometimes it can look like they're in Canaan on the outside, but they're in Egypt, or they're in a wasteland on the inside. There's no kind of freedom like inner freedom and inner peace and inner joy. And so uh, um, a wilderness wilderness could be a dry stretch in your walk with God. You know, the old saints used to talk about the, the dark nights of the soul where, <clears throat> you know, you don't walk by feelings, but there's those seasons where it's just like, God, where are you? I, you your voice used to seem so clear. Your presence used to seem so near and your word just came alive. And I remember there's a vibrancy and we find ourselves in just really dry patches like, like David in Psalm 42, where it's just like, Lord, how long must I deal with this anguish and soul and day after day cry out to you? We, we, we have to pray things like God restore to me the joy of your salvation. So there's a lot. Yeah. A lot of different kinds. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to be in the word so we know how to what verses to recall when we're in those wilderness like yeah. that. Like the joy of the Lord is my strength, yeah. not a joy, not a happiness of what I can go. Um, my success, my achievements, right. uh, hanging out with girlfriends. No, that's not happiness. The joy of the Lord is a real fruit from abiding right. in the vine with him that he gives right. to you by being with him, being in his presence. And if we could just if we could just become disciplined right. to, to wait for it, right. to be in his presence long enough to, to, for that joy to come over us, yeah. uh, then we could stop 
that mm-hmm. prolonging that that we do to ourselves sometimes when the the wilderness of that we cause ourselves that's another yeah. kind sometimes the wilderness are oh my god happen to us but then when they happen to us we could have been delivered already but we sometimes we prolong it because yeah. we choose a path of being bitter we choose a path of thinking through our own minds of like well i don't deserve this or well i'm doing all the right things but he's acting out of line and i don't you know i mean we could go a million directions of why why are we feeling yeah i was gonna say what you said is so huge because i've had seasons where my response to one wilderness created an even bigger wilderness yeah exactly i've had seasons where i was the perpetuator of that sandstorm (laughs) like i I, by my own poor choices, crafted that Saharan desert and then, uh, and then said, God help me. And God's gracious, he'll help me. Um, but what I've also learned, unfortunately, is a lot of times we'll keep walking around the same mountain until we learn what God's trying to teach us. Yeah, because we put the blinders over our own eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, a part of us, when we do that, we're, when we cause our own wilderness, the same time we're like in prayer, right? We're like, God, get me out of this. But right. we have blinders on our eyes. We can't even see that we are at, we're at fault. And, right. <laughs> and so I love, I love going to um, my knees in prayer and just simply starting with God. I come to you with humility today, not from anything that I have planned out because I don't want to go about my day or any future day mm-hmm. thinking that I know how to do this day. Right. Show yeah. me open my eyes, open, not these eyes, but this, my spiritual eyes to be able to receive and accept whatever freedom is on the other side of my resistance. Like the first thing is like humility. Yeah. I can like getting to a hopeful place for me in my experience, you, you might have something different, but like, for me, it's like even being able to be cognizant of a hope. Mm. Or, or even oh. want a hope. Sometimes right. I, I've been in such dark places. I'm like, the hope is like the last thing I want. I don't, I don't want, I don't want hope. I want to just be here because this is what I know and I'm familiar with it. And I don't, I don't deserve anything better. And, you know, you just like, you know, you want to cry in your own pool of what you made. And sometimes, sometimes it feels better in dysfunction than it and, does to, that's why Jesus asked the, you know, ask the man, do you want to get well? Right. Do you want to get well? Because like you said, sometimes it's, and and sometimes hope in the face of really painful circumstances sounds like a cruel request. It's like, how can I hope? That's that's why one of my favorite passages, um, I remember actually I was in Lexington, I was in a really painful season. And I remember looking over at my apartment. I was outside the little deck on third story apartment. And uh, looking out over the parking lot and I opened this book that, that, that had the passage from Lamentations 3, where it says, I'll, I'll never forget this bitter time. I'll never forget the taste of ashes. I'll never forget. And he goes through how he feels about this painful season. But then there's this line. And when I read it, I wept. He says, um, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new and fresh every 
day, his faithfulness stretches to the heavens, even as a child. I mean, and he goes on. And I love that phrase, dare to hope. There's sometimes it's it's the greatest dare you can take that in the midst of pain, I'm going to choose to hope. And I guess this this may just be one practical thing too to think to consider is I think sometimes we're, we're waiting for hope to happen to us, almost like I'm waiting to discover hope. And I love Pastor Jason Laird says it this way, uh, hope's not a discovery, it's a decision. Sometimes you have to choose to hope. Uh, Lamentations 3 says, I dare to hope when I remember this. Uh, Romans 4, when it's talking about Abraham's story, says, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. In Psalm 42, when David is speaking to his own soul, he's saying, why are, he's talking about how bad he feels and how sad he feels. And then he's, it's like he turns the corner and starts speaking to his own soul. And he says, but why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Choose to hope in God. Hope, hope, hope in God. And, and, and so there's this, there's a power when we realize, because uh, on one, in on one extreme of, of Christianity that I think is dangerous is people will try to sometimes convince you to feel guilty about how you truly feel or to put a mask over your emotions, and not be honest about what's really going on. And I think that's dangerous. I think there's got to be places where you can honestly process what's happening in your soul. But there's also power in realizing after you've done that and in the middle of that, we always still have a choice to hope that we can choose our spirit. We can choose to hope that hope really isn't a discovery. It's a decision. That right there strikes a chord so deep in me because the one of my darkest hours, it describes that perfectly. And I'm going to share it. I've never had before, but it is, it is when after my divorce and I was still struggling so hard with feeling completely lost. Didn't have my kids with me for a weekend and cause we would flip flop. Right. And so I was home alone and I just really wanted to just, I just got in the shower, like the, a dry tub with clothes on. I just started pounding because <laughs> it would make noise. And I was just like, God, why, why, why? And just screaming. And finally, I just, I got to a point where I turned like towards my living room and I was like, screamed at the window. I was like, if anybody can hear me save me. (laughs) Of course, no one came. And in that moment, God whispered to me and he's like, this time I'm not sending anybody to rescue you. It's your choice. And I shared this story with my husband recently. And you know what he said? He said, because God had already planted a seed in you for hope to be born. And I didn't know because I couldn't see it because my heart was in such anguish. All I knew to do was just God save me. If you really don't want me to die, (laughs) then send somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Do something, do something, God, why aren't you doing anything? And you know what he said? He's like, it's your choice. You can live or not. What are you going to decide? Do you want, do you want hope? And I I just, I love that in that moment, like, you know why I got out of that tub? You know why I rose? Because of the strength that was already seated in me for it. When I chose it, it came alive. And all of a sudden it just rushed me into this path 
this whole new course that I didn't even know existed, but it was right there in front of me. Yeah, that is so powerful. And you you know what? There's there's so much in there. One practical thing, though, from what you said that I think so powerful that I think could be easy to miss is what your husband said and what you reiterated is that there was already a seed in you before that moment happened. You know, you mentioned um, earlier, you mentioned backpack, but uh, if, if I can switch the analogy, um, you know, sometimes I don't know about you. I mean, I know you have a crazy anointing on your life and, but sometimes I think people think that when certain leaders or pastors open their scriptures in the morning, the heavens part, light comes down, angels fill the room. And it's just like heaven takes out a highlighter. Gabriel's hand just begins to, I just gotta be honest. That is not my every morning. I, I have powerful encounters with Jesus, but sometimes I'm just trying to faithfully read, read his word. And I, I, it's so funny. I heard um, a long time ago, someone wrote into an English newspaper and they said, sir, why should I keep going to church? I, um, I have listened to 1,376 sermons. I've, I've, I've totaled it up. And I don't remember one sermon. Why should I keep going to church? And the the uh, pastor that was actually in charge of this newspaper wrote back and said, well, dear sir, in our house, um, I remember I've eaten 1,372 meals. And I don't remember any of them, but I really am glad I, that I ate. <laughs> and the whole point was sometimes the cumulative effect of nourishment that we're putting inside of ourselves, whether we feel goosebumps when we read scripture, whether we feel like we quote God, anything out of it when we went to church or not, sometimes the simple faithfulness to actually walk with Jesus and to actually be in his word, get in his presence, be faithful in his house. We don't realize what that's building up inside of us. Levi Lusco, who wrote the book through the eyes of a lion, you know, his his six-year-old girl passed away and and he, he, he has this phrase that's always stuck with me. He said, we're always training for the trial. We're not yet in. And I would say it this way with the wilderness, we're always stuffing our backpack for the trip we've not yet taken. And so what happens in the dark when we have in the light been packing our backpack with the protein of God's promises, when we've been packing our backpack with the canteen of the water of the spirit, if I can just stretch the analogy, when we've actually been packing our backpack with the map of God's word, when we finally get into those moments like you got into we already have seeds inside. We already have things in our backpack. So that once we get in the trip, I don't know if you're, if you're like me, I remember in high school, sometimes I would cram for a test, you know, like I'd find out I have a test the next day. And so that whole night I would just cram for it. I think sometimes we try to cram spiritually. I think sometimes uh, there's a lot of us and thank God in his grace, he'll show up. We, you know, we call out in a moment, God's there. But there's a power in instead of cramming spiritually, preparing spiritually and walking with Jesus. So in those moments, there's a seed of something God can do. Yes, because it's like a snowball effect. One wilderness right. is setting you up for when if you, you succeed in that, that one, you're going to have that much more strength for yep. the next one. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. That's- Cause why, why, and why do we go through a wilderness? Well, one, it's a refining, it's a refining right. us. We, we, we can't give God glory or, and have fellowship with him 
if we're right. if we're carrying around our flesh, right. if we're trying, if we're the ones trying to get ourselves through struggling right. through it, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be better. And, and we, yeah. I, I fail. I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I try, I tried living this life on my own. You know what? You know what? I felt completely powerless and it was the worst feeling of my entire life. Not having the power of God inside of you to be effective. I was just spilling out words and it meant nothing. It didn't touch a single heart. Right. But when, when I became surrendered to, okay, God, I don't know why I'm going through the wilderness. I don't need to know anymore. As soon as I just gave that to him, like, I don't know why I'm I'm here, right. but I, I accept it. Yeah. I accept it. And whatever is gonna whoever I am gonna become at, at the end of this, I yeah. accept it. And if we can get to that place where we yeah. can can just say yes, mm-hmm. yes, God. Um I think there's a a favor there's a favor that comes you know it, there, our relationship with god is two-sided it's not just about our obedience so we can give more glory to god it's also that so he can fellowship with us closer so we have a yeah. power to and a testimony to yeah. use to reach other people who are going through the same things that we just left yeah that's what that's what you're doing with this book. Like that you, you come through some things and now you're like, look guys, this is how you, this is what you can do. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. It's so good. And that, I think, um, you know, what you're talking about it, it's natural. You know, you mentioned to ask why, you know, I think pain causes us to ask why. And I think it's natural and in, in pain and in the wilderness to ask why, but there's something really powerful when you can change your why to what, and you can, and, and if you can somehow bring your spirit to a place of instead of why God to what God are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to cleanse me of? What are you trying to purify me of? What power are you trying to put in me? What are you preparing me for? Yeah. And uh, there's this, yeah, it's just, it's powerful. And I love what you said. I just, there's it, it, any amount of pain can become more bearable when we know there's purpose in it. And so I think anybody that's walking through the wilderness right now, they just need to hear, you may not know why, but you can know there's purpose and there's purpose of what God is wanting to. And I love how you put it, not just what he wants to do through you, but you're not just his vessel, you're his kid, you're his son, you're his daughter. It's not just what he wants to do through you, it's what he wants to do for you. Like he loves you. And sometimes, unfortunately, the most painful seasons are the most powerful seasons. You know, some sometimes the, the seasons we dread the most are the seasons we need the most. Not that God calls the pain, not that, it, you know, the, the mystery of how life happens and God's sovereignty is too, is too mysterious for any of us mortals on this side. But what I do know is in the middle of it, God can use it. Romans eight twenty eight. God can cause all things to work together. Yeah, absolutely. If we can just hold on to that, even if we don't, even if anybody listening right now doesn't know really what that means or understands it, if you can just let it, let it sink into your spirit, replay this, say it again, 
and just ask God to um, just illuminate that and reveal to you the meaning of what it is. Because there's so many things like we could take away from this and, you know, lock away in our heads and have it as head knowledge. Yeah. But the transformation comes when we allow that to really sink into our spirit. And when we stop thinking that we know what we're going to get out of Mm. our obedience, Mm. because he's not going to show us, he's not going to show us the end. And one thing that perpetuated my last wilderness was because I was so stuck on Mm. me thinking I knew what my outcome was going to be. The minute I was able to let go, I was like, whoa, then he showed me, then he was able, he was able with my obedience to then give me what he always desired. And it was so much grander, so much grander. Like right now, some people might think that, and I don't know what your, you know, the details of your wilderness are, but the details of mine were like, you know, you should be devastated. You should, you know, poor you, poor you, little small Laura, you know, like you've been through a divorce, but really what happened with my surrender after he brought me out of that wilderness, I entered a season where it was got really quiet for mm-hmm. many years. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any favor. I didn't see any blessing. I didn't see any movement. God, where are you? What are you doing? And in that time, all he wanted me to do was just be still, Laura, be still, wait. So I waited years, years, waited and just, I didn't have direction. I didn't have reward, blessing, there was no movement, but he said, be faithful to waiting. And all I did was just press into his word, knowing I don't, okay, God, I'm all right. I had to get to that place where I'm all right, not knowing what's next. Yeah. Okay. With not knowing who I'm going to be or where you're, if you're going to even use me for anything, I'm just going to be in the season of just loving Jesus and just allowing him to love me. And, Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, Yeah. like that, that was the season. Like I had to let go before he could then show me a grander plan, which was so much, he would have never been able to show me the grander plan and his power. If I hadn't just let go and just still and just be with him, just not asking him to do anything. It's kind of like, um, it reminds me of the, the picture that CS Lewis gave of sometimes the, the person drowning can't be rescued. They can't, grab a hold of the life raft because they're too busy thrashing mm-hmm. and it's all stop fighting that they can actually grab a hold and i feel like listening to you just multiple things you've said i feel like one of the themes of your life seems to be surrender and the power of surrender and yeah. it's so powerful i love that i love that thought of god when i let go that's when he can do the thing that he's and, and maybe i don't know i'm just out loud maybe that's one of the re- one of the powers of the wilderness is um because it's sometimes it's not until you get into a place where you feel lost enough to where you can surrender 
there's this old line by Rich Mullins. Um, he's he's an old time, you know, so you know he's a songwriter. He wrote all the classics back in the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> song that I feel like no one knows. It's like a it's like a bonus throwaway track, but it's my favorite. It's called Hard to Get. Um, and he has this line in the song. He says, God, I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here to where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here to where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. Yeah. And, I, and I'm and i like, I wonder how many seasons are like that. Or it's like, it's not until I come to the end of myself that I'm like, okay. And I can let down the guard and I can yield and I can surrender. The only way to really describe what the end of myself means, I think you're you're going to feel it. Because mm-hmm. it's not... It's not just a prayer. God, help me get to the end of myself. I'm trying to, I'm trying. It's not you trying. It's not a set of rules. Yeah. Survive this season, thrive in the next. Everyone goes through a wilderness. Not everyone makes it to the promised land. We all know what it's like to feel stuck in a painful season, trapped in a difficult place. But hope is available. Hope is available. Sometimes it takes time. But it's there. It's there. And sometimes it chases you down because mm-hmm. you run from it. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes we want to run from hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, sometimes our wilderness can get so rough that we we'd rather we want the opposite. Mm-hmm. And um, my prayer is that the Lord would woo us with His kindness. It was with his gentleness back to his heart. And I just agree. I pray this every day. His mercies are new every morning. New, new cup, <laughs> new victory every day. Your portion manna every day is wow. available. So nobody has to worry about you having a, a portion, <laughs> portion it out to, to make it. He always has more. He always has more because he's so much bigger than what we can see, isn't yeah. he? I love it. Come on. So good. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, of course, my my secret hope is that anybody would would read the book. And so I don't want to, uh, you know, tease out too much. But, I, you know, one of the, the one of the ending themes is, you know, you talking about, you know, he's our portion is that. Really, the ultimate promise line isn't a destination. The, the promise line is God Himself, um, and that like uh, He's the there. There are Canaan's, I believe, on this side of heaven. There are seasons God wants to bring into. There are dimensions of victory and living that He wants to bring into. I believe that's real. But on this side of eternity, until all things are restored, um, there is an ache that's never going to go away. And only real, true joy and satisfaction um, is going to be in God Himself. Uh, once the once the land once they went, went into the promised land and they were divvying up the land, there's this obscure verse that says that the promised land was divided up, except for the priests. And uh, and when you first read that, you're like, why why wouldn't they get? And there's and then the next verse says for the Lord himself was their inheritance. And it gives me chills to think about like God, heaven's not heaven because of gold streets. Heaven's heaven because of God. 
And there's something that happens in this earthly life when we can take the pressure off this life satisfying yes. all of our aches. And, and we can say, God, you are my ultimate promised land. So I'm going to make you my ultimate promised land while I trust you to bring it out of these seasons. Yes. While I trust you to bring my reality, my spiritual reality into different places. I'm going to believe for all that. I'm, I'm going to, Jesus said, you have not because you asked not. So I'm going to be the first person to root you on and say, go for it. If God's put a dream in your heart to start a business, to write a book, to do this, go for it. There's, there are promised lands on this side of, of heaven, but the ultimate promised land that we're going from is that God is my portion. He St. Augustine said, um, our hearts are restless and will be restless until they repose in thee because our hearts were made for thee. Um, and so eternity focus, mm -hmm. eternity focus. I love how Francis Chan, I recently read his, um, you and me forever book. And he focuses on this eternity mindset. It's really, it's really a, I like to think of put on some glasses. It's how you see life. Yeah, Not it as it, it, it's going to end here on earth. And so if we can, if we can look at people and look at our lives through his lens, through an eternal lens, then we, we can grasp a better understanding and position of energy um, and effectiveness. <laughs> well, I love that position of energy based on your lens, your perspective. So Laura, uh, I flew home to Greenville where my parents are from uh, for Thanksgiving. And I was hanging out with a buddy and he told me, he's like, we got to go back to my house and play on the Oculus. Have you played the Oculus? No. Oculus, the Quest 2 is the newest, like this thing you put over your headset, you put over you for virtual yeah. reality. I mean, it is so all encompassing. I'm looking around and he, I, I get on an elevator and I go to the top and I, I step out of the elevator and I'm 10 stories up. I can see the birds flying and chirping. I look down below me and all I'm experiencing is like butterflies. Like I'm standing on the top of a building. And he's like, he said, Russ, step up onto the plank. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I like, I literally, and it's like hitting me. Wait, I'm in his living room, but what I'm experiencing, I can't do it. And he said, yeah, it usually takes people a few tries. And it took me like minutes to get the courage to step up on the plank in this virtual reality and then eventually he's like, okay, now step, step off. I'm like, I cannot do that. I cannot step off. And so finally I took the courage. I stepped off the plank in virtual reality. If you haven't played the Oculus right now, you do not know what I'm talking about. You think I'm crazy. Uh, I go all the way down and he has videos of me that I will never let the public see of me screaming, falling on my knees while I'm falling down. Bring all that up to say, I thought about it later the way my weird, my weird mind works because I'm like, that's the power of perspective. That's the power of what reality are you living in? Because whatever your perspective and reality is, is going to be where your energy goes and it's going to be where your life goes. And isn't it crazy how one plastic piece around my eyes completely changed the reality I was experiencing. And that's the power of perspective. That's the power of, am I believing the lies of the enemy or am I believing the word of God? That's yeah. the power of how I view myself. That's the power of how I view God, that's the power of how I view life, the power of how I view others. And what perspective, what Oculus headset am I walking into each day with? Right. 
what is just it's the it's powerful to think about that perspective really just does determine our future. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you so much, so much for sharing. Um, I pray that what all the energy you have poured into with going through what you went, the years of going through this, and then it pouring out some pages that God would return the blessing sevenfold to you, truly. And I just pray that the Lord would open up new doors of promised land for you that your heart has been aching for, that you've been seeking. And I encourage you, Russ, to um, believe more that God, he is so for you. He's so for you. His plans are so much bigger than you. I know you know this, but I'm, 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 speaking, I'm speaking hope over you. The, the plans that God has for you is, is to love you. He loves you so much more than you can possibly know. And that love, when you, when you're able to be in his presence and know it, it's you just, you can walk in a room and it move people, it heal people. And I ask that you would, I, I asked Jesus that you would be able to walk in that authority and that anointing that as, as you press into your relationship with God and allow him to do this move in your life, that, that you would walk into a room and people be healed and people be delivered and people be propelled into their promised land just by you be showing up. Mm. Amen. Uh, I receive Thank you so much for listening in today to the Living Aura Show. I hope you gain massive value and take action on this lesson. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have iTunes, do me a favor and go give an honest review. I hope you're going to give me a five star, right? (laughs) That's the way to get this message out to more people in the world. Share the link on your social media. Share the wealth. That's how we can give back and inspire others, especially now more than ever. Go out and be inspiring and be fully alive in your aura and energy that attracts abundance.